Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks, that's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans. It's Tony on tap. And tonight I am joined by NWI Steve, hashtag set the tone, Steve and Sean Roberts. And we are back on another edition of Sox on tap. Johnny and I were here with you last night talking about the White Sox offseason, looking ahead into this season and so much more. And um, well, we're back again today because the White Sox decided to actually do some stuff. We're going to get into that, but before we do, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature podcasting needs. Follow us on YouTube at ontapsportsnet. Uh, go subscribe and uh, hop in the comments and talk to us while we do this show. Steve, Sean, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing really well, Anthony. Hey, listen, imagine being a schlub that writes 1,500 words just scorching the organization talking about just how terrible the offseason was, and then today happens, and then it just all goes for naught. So I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, ready to go. A uh, little quick hit tonight, and uh, shit happened. Shit happened. Like, we've – I it's funny. I, I take my phone – like, my eyes off my phone for 10 minutes. I'm walking my dog on my lunch break today, and I pull it out, and all of a sudden, boom, we got a right fielder. We got a right fielder, baby. So lots of news today, that being the biggest of them, uh, and we're going to get to a few things. But uh, just before we get into all the news, I, I don't want to break this all down. But uh, Sean, you're excited about this. Steve, you're excited about this. Quick initial reactions. Craig Kimbrell traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange for outfielder A.J. Pollock. Um, guys, just give me your just initial initial thoughts here. I I'm excited. This is what we've been asking for, right? Like we've been sitting here going, are, are we going to have first baseman playing right field? What's going to happen? Andrew Vaughn gets hurt. We all sit here going, okay, well, that's because he's a first baseman, but that, you know, that's other conversations, but no, I, this is, uh, we've been waiting for the White Sox to make that move. Everybody, White Sox Twitter has been up for grabs, just, you know, um, pissed off at the world, flames, torches, ready to boycott the season because we didn't go and get a right fielder. And here we are now, um, A.J. Pollock, solid Major League Baseball player. They didn't nickel and dime this thing, and I think that's the biggest surprise is, um, from me at least, obviously Craig Kimball, Kimbrell, we, I think the last time the three of us talked, we were like, you know, they picked up this option, what are they going to do with it? Um, and it didn't work out maybe. And I think – I think this is a great fit for both teams. I think this is one of those trades that you can look at and go both sides won. And I think too, obviously the White Sox get a right fielder here, but the Dodgers are picking up the cash. Like that's what we're, we're not stuck with that. And that's pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, I, I echo a lot of Sean's sentiments there. This addresses a glaring hole on this roster right now, giving a competent major league right fielder. And that's something that I know I have been clamoring for all winter. Um, I know just about everybody within the fan base has been clamoring for this. So they addressed one of the holes that this organization identified going into the offseason, and they did so in a manner um, that was appropriate. You know, they, they didn't, like Sean said, they didn't go out there and nickel and dime this thing. They got a competent player who has had success and i think importantly he's a guy that has shown throughout the course of his career that he can handle right hand pitching as a fan base i think we've gotten so caught up on needing to get left-handed needing to provide balance within the lineup and while aj pollock does hit right-handed 
he hits right-handed pitching very well. He actually hit him better last year than he has in any season throughout the course of his career. But for his career, he's 13% above league average when it comes to handling right-handed pitchers. And that's a, a major deficiency that this team needed to address. And so they did all of those things with this move here. They cleared up a little bit of cash. So there's about a $3 million difference, like Sean was talking about there, between the contracts with Pollock and Craig Kimbrell. So now, later in the season, the Sox need to go out and make an acquisition, whether it's to um, help the bullpen, which you know something we're going to touch on here shortly also, or to address second base or another starting pitcher. They've got a little bit more flexibility now. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of this trade. I've I've liked AJ Pollock's game. Um, there has been some injury concerns with him over the course of a few different seasons throughout his career, uh, but overall, I think he plays in this lineup very, very well. Uh, he's also a personality guy too. That uh, I, I I just like what we're getting here in terms of uh, a guy who's going to come in and play right field for us. Uh, that might mean a little less Gavin Sheets at bats for me, so I'm a little bit sad. I have to say that right off the bat, a little sad about that. Uh, but uh, for all intents and purposes, I'm a fan of this move, and we'll break it down in further detail uh, later on in the show. Before we get to that, though, uh, there were some other news today uh, that came out of the White Sox camp, and one of the most concerning, we kind of saw this coming a little bit last night uh, during a ball game uh, that the White Sox were playing in. Uh, Garrett Crochet comes out uh, after striking out uh, his first batter, and here we go. We've been here before. We've seen this drill. It was announced today. Garrett Crochet likely going to need Tommy John surgery. Steve, this comes on the heels of something that you and I have kind of been tracking for a very long time, and that is a dip in Garrett Crochet's velocity that we saw all of last season. You see him come out, throw with some conviction, I would say, in his uh, last outing before this, and then all of a sudden something is not right. Um I feel like we've known this is coming for a long time. Steve, why don't you elaborate? I think it all goes back to game three of the 2020 uh, wildcard series in Oakland. And I think the plan that was in place there, Crochet coming in in relief for Dane Dunning. And when he had to exit that game early um, with forearm concerns, that's where everybody's mind went to. So this is a process that has been, you know, kind of ongoing since October of 2020. And I, I think a lot of us, myself and, and Anthony, you included, felt that this was just a ticking time bomb, unfortunately. And you hate to say that, but just given the history here of guys with forearm issues like this and the, that dip in velocity, it really did just feel like it was a matter of time, unfortunately. And I think the other thing that's going to be tough for Crochet now is this has to all but put to bed any notion of him ever being a starting pitcher at least for the White Sox, um, you know, maybe if if he goes somewhere else down the road, maybe they could revisit this. But at this juncture here, I think it's pretty safe to say that the days of Garrett Crochet possibly being inserted into the rotation are all but dead. Yeah, I think I think early on, I think maybe the next couple he's going to be out what eighteen months. I think that's usually what it is. Um, but but you're right. This goes back to two years ago in the playoffs. Han, Han did say today eleven to thirteen, which could potentially put him back on track to you okay. know be ready at the start of next season. Maybe not April, but towards the right, front end towards of next the end. year. No, I'm with. I think this is. A, I think he's. I never looked at him as a starter. I've always looked at him as a bullpen guy. Maybe that's the funky delivery. Maybe that's just the awkwardness of him. But we. I think in a sense we all saw this coming. Obviously the the injury. Um, back in the playoffs a couple years ago. But I think if you just look at his motion, he looks like one of those guys like, okay, when's the Tommy John coming? When's it going to happen? Um, and here we are now. To be honest with you, I'm not that upset about it. I think I'm upset from a from a develop, de developmental standpoint. I'm upset. But as far as going into this season, I'm not too – this wasn't a Eloy Jimenez blow. This wasn't a Luis Robert blow. Um, this is a blow that I think the Sox can manage and and either fill a hole if and when needed. Um, but you know, come trade deadline, we talked about the money being freed up. If you if you want to go out and sign somebody off the street, you can go and you can go ahead and do that, and you don't have to really worry that much. This isn't a life or death blow like we almost thought last year with a couple of those injuries. So tinfoil hat time, real quick, guys. 
you know, it was announced, and we talked about this, the runner on second base coming back in extra innings. Did Garrett <laughs> Crochet elect to just get the Tommy John surgery over in 2022, just <laughs> wanting to avoid any further snafus that would, you know, result in lost career earnings down the road, oh. just get it over with now, um, and then come back? Is, is that at play here? No, it was just the worst. Just the worst. You know, listen, that's I, I don't know that it's that far fetched. You and I, we 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 have some you know socks on tap conspiracy theory after dark conversations here. This one, it's not that far fetched if you really think about it. And I know from having been in the ballpark for several of those meltdowns last year, uh Garrett Crochet trying to field the bunt with a runner on second base oh. was a bit of an adventure. Yeah, I'm just wondering if 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 that was at play here at all. Um no video of the actual pitch that was thrown um, that resulted in this. So, uh, you know, things are kind of hazy in spring training, not trying to spread conspiracy theories. That's tinfoil hat time for you here. But, um, you know, just it's, it, it's, it's interesting to me, the timing of this injury, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll toss it over to Steve in, in terms of spring training overreactor. Steve, was he going too hard? We all know you can never go too hard in spring training. If I've taught anybody one thing in the last two weeks that we've been seeing games is that you have to go out there with a sense of urgency as if every time you step between those lines, it's game seven of the World Series. You have to set the tone. And you can get set the tone t-shirts available. You head on over to ontapsportsnet.com, head on over to our shop tab, uh, or go to, I believe it is ontapsportsnet.bigcartel.com. Set the tone t-shirts. Um, they are on sale as of yesterday. Get them while they're hot. Our guy, Johnny Nani's in here with hashtag set the tone. <laughs> he had a better ad read for it last night, but uh, I'll try my hand at it here. Uh, guys, how concerned are we about the back end of the bullpen without Garrett Crochet for real here? You you do lose two names out of this super pen that we had been talking about. Um, Crochet was a guy that was able to provide you multiple innings out of the pen. Um, you didn't want to see him in extra innings, um, but that pen is a little bit shorter uh, than it was just 24 hours ago. Um, any thoughts? Uh, I, one of you brought up just a few minutes ago. Uh, the fact that, you know, you might need to go address something now at the trade deadline. I forget who said that. Um, but, you know, are you guys a little bit more concerned about the pen than you were 24 hours ago? I'm not. I'm not. I I, I think the Sox have done it. And I'm going to give them Rick Hahn credit and, and the organization here. I think they've done a good enough job as far as addressing that depth uh, with the bullpen. You have Liam Hendricks. You have Aaron Bummer. Um, you, you go out and get. Graveman, you have you have stuff in place for one of these to happen. Um, now losing Kimbrel is what it is. Like I, I, I can live without Craig uh, Kimbrel on the team. Um, this one again, I'm not too concerned because you can go out and address these needs. As far as pitching goes, I'm not worried about the White Sox. Maybe a starter. We do need a starter, but a bullpen. You have a super pen. I losing. Losing one of one active guy right now, I'm not too concerned about because that's a need that you can go and address. Um, and I think they will if needed. I, I'm not too worried about it. At the end of the day, really, I've always been a big believer in trying to go out there and develop your own relievers versus paying for them in the open market. You know, there, there's a couple of guys that are of interest. Um, on the 40 man roster, a guy like, you know, Anderson Severino or, uh, Bennett Souza, you know, so I think the, the news of crochet going down stinks just from the standpoint of now you only have one established left-handed reliever in the bullpen. And everyone knows I am the conductor of the Aaron Bummer train. Um, so do they need to, I think, find another option in the bullpen there to be able to address and, and be able to kind of counteract lineups? Um, and teams that are particularly left-hand heavy, yeah, they, they do. So this is where guys like Severino or Souza are going to need to step up, and they've got a chance to play themselves onto a roster here. So that's going to be pretty important. But as far as overall concern level, um, it, like Sean said, it's not that great of a concern at this moment in time here. Bullpens are volatile from year to year, so they had some ups and downs, especially in the early part first half of last season and then they they kind of write the ship towards the second half of the year so 
I think that there are probably some guys that could come out of the woodwork here. And I talked about this on Twitter.com earlier today. It'd be awesome if a guy like Kyle Crick, um, who has high-level stuff, what if he goes out there and what if he has the Cliff Polite 2005 season? You know, you can always, you can almost always count on there being one. You guy. love the Cliff Polite season. Can we just <laughs> like put that who out there in the Who open? doesn't love you, Cliff? But he, Steve, like loves the the, the Cliff Polite season. Everybody loves Cliff Polite, but I think I I want to see Steve like rocking the Cliff Polite jersey on the South Side this you summer. Customize that. Don't hey, listen. Don't threaten me with a good time because I'll I'll do it. Okay, but you know the the point just stands. I mean, you could have a guy come out of nowhere and have that lights out career year, and you know a situation like this with crochet that would really help. Now, and and let's be honest with ourselves. When Garrett Crochet came into a ball game last year, where was your confidence level? I would say it was probably somewhere near the middle, Sean. I mean, for as many times as I text you guys about like, oh, shit, the (laughs) wheels are about to fall off. Like crochet was still somewhat near the top of like my bullpen options where I was like, okay, this isn't Jose Ruiz Um, or this isn't, you know, some just guy that we saw between 20, you know, the back half of 2016 and up to 2020. So even into there. So it wasn't Juan Manaya. It wasn't Juan Manaya. The, the names, man. The names. We could have a whole article Juan on Sportsnet of White Sox relievers that you know graced us with their presence through the rebuild. Um, if I don't want to tempt Steve with a good time, you know, there it is. I can see him lighting up with this one. But Sean, I was fairly confident with Garrett Crochet, yeah. um, and I think some of that was how he exploded onto the scene in 2020 throwing 101 102 our guy johnny nani joked around the other day when i you know mentioned how great garrett crochet looked and he's like are you concerned that he's not pumping 105 well absolutely i am because i was waiting for this to happen that's why yeah yeah i it was gonna happen i i'm you just being a former pitcher and you see how these some of these guys throw it's bound to happen and i'm happy it's happening i guess now Jose uh, Ruiz is elite. Excellent comment from our guy Jim here. Jose Ruiz is elite. The mop-up king, right? Um, no, again, no. Like you look at look at this bullpen. I don't think this is a crazy loss. I look at it as does it suck for his de- development? Absolutely. And does this gonna delay his development? Absolutely. Um, but as far as if you look at the 2022 season. Like Steve said, you go, you try and find some internal options, give some guys some chances. If it doesn't work, it's not a top flight reliever that you're losing. You're not losing a Liam Hendricks here, right? Like you're, you don't have to go do anything crazy. At this point, you're looking for a guy to start the 10th inning and, and, and maybe some, some high leverage situations here and there. Well, and guys, I just want to ask this question before we move on to the the AJ Pollock uh, conversation. Will the White Sox bring out a jersey on opening day uh, for Garrett Crochet, Jose Abreu, pulling it out there? Um, will they celebrate him the way they celebrated Eloy last year? Uh, give me your guys' early predictions. Garrett there's got to be a betting line for this somewhere. Garrett, Garrett Crochet, R-I-P-I-P, baby. You know, I think it's, it's only fair. Um, we were kind of joking about this a little bit. I think if they're more likely to do that with someone, I think it's probably going to be Andrew Vaughn. And I think it would be really interesting, you know, if Andrew Vaughn, um, you know, rose from the ashes, so to speak, on Easter, you know, when they're at home against the Tampa Bay Rays. Do you think of... Andrew Vaughn's going to miss time, Steve? It's it's hard to say. I mean, I know obviously they, um, you know, there was some commentary on Twitter.com yesterday. Maybe the that, bullpen crew will give Crochet like the hanging jersey in the bullpen. You know, you know, I think, there. I, I think that's probably probably the scenario. Maybe if Anderson Severino or or a rookie guy breaks camp uh, with with the team this year, maybe they are in charge of carrying the ceremonial Garrett Crochet jersey out to the bullpen. But who's going to have the 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 backpack, the SpongeBob backpack? Have you guys seen this thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. that's I, – I feel like that's got to be, you know, if Kyle Crick makes the roster. Um, Somebody's got to carry that thing out there. I heard that guys love the the candy and the snacks that Garrett Crochet provides. Or is who he just wouldn't? Gonna, who's, is Garrett Crochet still going to be with this team through the year? Maybe he'll still be in the bullpen. He'll be with snacks. them. In, he'll be with them in spirit. We know that. Snack That's right. 
snack guy. That's that's never never forget. Sean, do you think they're going to honor him in in any way, shape, or form the way they do? No, uh, I don't know. I I was so embarrassed last year after they did that. Um, One year anniversary today, guys. By the way, yeah, a lot. Listen, my uh, Diane Viseiro t-shirt jersey uh, Instagram pic. That's my guy. That I put on Facebook came up as a memory today. So happy opening day. That never happened. Um, (laughs) But uh, but no, I, I, I. Maybe they honor him. I don't know. I hope not. I hope we don't have to see that crap again because then you get mocked by all the baseball sites and we got enough, like, as a, as a fan base and organization, enough stuff to deal with. We don't need any of that. I hope they don't do it. Please don't do it. Don't Andrew Vaughn, by the way, I think is out two honor. weeks. I, I could just imagine a SpongeBob backpack hanging in the White Sox bullpen all season. That would be great. <laughs> great content. Jordan, Isn't- I love that suggestion. Isn't Vaughn out one to two, one to two weeks? Did I see that? Yeah, I, I haven't had like an official injury report on him. I know that they put him out on the field and he was like putting, you know, baseballs into buckets for the team, like cleanup crew. So I, nice. I did I did see that. He's still out there on the field uh, interacting with people. So it's not like he's on the shelf completely. Um, but uh, I, I'm just curious as to if he'll if he'll miss any time. And, and I want to talk about him extensively in this next kind of conversation about AJ Pollock as we move along here. Um, major acquisition. I would I would assume that AJ Pollock is going to see the you know majority of playing time in right field. Um, I believe I saw that he's only played around six games in right, um, but he's going to play right field for the White Sox. I would imagine that to be the case. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a log jam created by this. And before we get into the importance of what A.J. Pollock is going to mean to this lineup, I want to talk about what this means for some of the other guys here. Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, Adam Engel, um, Larry Garcia's playing time some of these other guys, the White Sox offense is a lot more deep than it was just 24 hours ago, just the way the bullpen had some subtractions. Um, There's going to be some guys fighting for some playing time. And I kind of like that now that I think about it. Um, It's going to make every at bat even more critical for some of these guys like an Adam Engel or a Gavin Sheets or even um, an Andrew Vaughn, because the playing time is going to get a little bit slimmer for each of them. What do you think this means for some of these guys? And, and realistically to you, the two names that I'm most concerned about, Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets, uh, what's that mean for these guys? Steve? Earn, earn your spot in the lineup. Look, good teams have an abundance of good players. There's a reason why the Los Angeles Dodgers have been the most successful organization in baseball for the last decade. Everyone wants to talk about the high payrolls and how much money they spend. They are successful because on their 40-man roster, they have about 32 to 35 legitimate major league players that they are able to plug and play on a night-in and night-out basis. So the more quality players you have, the better off your organization is going to be. And the fact of the matter is this team has, particularly when you look in the outfield, a collection of guys that do not have clean health histories. Luis Robert has played 100 games one time since he's been in the White Sox organization. Aloy Jimenez has an extensive injury history. You know, a- Andrew Vaughn ha- now has some injury history. Adam Engel has had issues staying on the field. A.J. Pollock, we, we talked about this, has had a spotty injury history. So now you have guys that if one of these players has to go on an I.L. stint for 10, 15 days, whatever it is, you can plug in another option that is a major league caliber option. And that is the goal. And that is what quality organizations do. It also gives Tony La Russa flexibility now to be able to mix and match depending on who is, you know, who the opposition is throwing out there on a day in and day out basis. And I, a lot of people joke about, about Tony and I've been a, a critic of him since this hire was made. But the fact of the matter is he does have a good pulse on what is going on in that clubhouse. So he can he has a good sense of when a guy is not in a good frame of mind particularly. And, okay, maybe we want to give this guy a day off. And guys like me sometimes will get mad online about it. And then it ends up working out in the end. 
this just gives him more flexibility, more ammunition. And like you said, it lengthens the lineup, and that is what quality teams do. Yeah, I mean, the, the, this is – you're making your – nothing's ever going to hurt when you add more depth to your team. This is making your team more bulletproof, right? So, Adam Angle, right? Injury prone. It's, it's Something's going to happen, right, to one of these guys. It's one, hopefully, for not long. But this way you can plug somebody in like a Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn, guys that have had major league at-bats, guys that you know can produce. I mean, Gavin Sheets hit a home run in the playoffs, right? The Making this, I think this was the biggest thing, right? Because we knew right field was kind of a hole. You had two first basemen playing right field. Could they have? Could they do it? Yeah. Um, was it going to be great? No. But they could get the job done. Now you're adding depth, right? So let's say Pollock has a healthy season. He's probably going to play 120 games. Now is that spread out in all in right field? Or now you can give Eloy a day off, right? And him DH. Now you can give, if Luis, for whatever reason, needs a couple days off, you can give Luis a day off, get Adam Angle. Like there's going to be rotating parts here. And you go back to what the Dodgers do, right? You look at what the Dodgers do. And it's, we always, it's kind of a sarcastic joke, but you're like, they got like nine outfielders that can all play on any team in Major League Baseball, right? And they just, they pull them up from AAA. They have them all on their bench. You can never have too much. And now you've lengthened that lineup like we've been talking about. And I, I just, it, <laughs> I just saw 90s comment. That's it, it probably happened. Negative probably 90s happened. in the house. Don't get up for the letdown, baby. Yeah, don't get up for the letdown. <laughs> Johnny's in the comments here. Adam Engel suffered a hamstring strain upon hearing you say his name, Sean. Um, <laughs> but, know but, but you right know what now, I mean? But, uh, that would not be great. But you know what I mean? Like, we're not sitting here relying on now Adam Engel to play 100-something games in right field or the outfield. He can do what he does, be a fill-in, be an eighth, ninth inning outfielder. That's what he can do, right? So eighth inning, ninth inning comes up. If we got a decent lead, you know, maybe plug, plug him in left field, take Eloy out, right? Like, because that's a defensive liability. So I just – I Good I love news this. if true. <laughs> I, I, I love this move. Not only from an offensive standpoint, they went out and did something. They got money back out of this somehow, some way. Like this is a this is a huge win. This is a huge one, win. One other key point I, I want to make on this, just from a defensive aspect of adding an actual outfielder yes. to this mix here. The person that I think is going to benefit the most from this, and I've been talking about this all winter, is none other than Luis. Because now he's not going to be flanked by two defensive liabilities anytime that he steps on the field. This is going to allow then this. Are you calling Adam Engel a defensive liability here? I just want to get some things straight. Ad, 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 no, no. Adam Engel obviously is not the defensive liability. But if he is flanked by Eloy and some combination of Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets, we got some we got some liability issues there. So okay. and here's my question for you guys. Had the move not been made, who do you think was going to get the lion's share of the starts out there? I was in a Twitter spaces earlier today that was hosted by White Sox Dave Sean. I saw you in there as well. Um, his opinion there was Adam Engel was going to get most of the starts in right field just for the sheer um, defensive abilities for him. I'm curious to see where you guys were with this just less than 24 hours ago. Cause I didn't really expect Gavin sheets to start much and right. I thought he'd kind of wind up DHing most of his at bats, um, you know, and, and he would rest and you'd kind of play your matchups there. But I kind of thought that Adam Engel was, was going to be my guy out there in right field, barring any health issues. I see. I didn't think he was going to get that much of it. I thought maybe, maybe 25% of, of the starts, would ultimately go to Adam Engel there. Now, obviously, look, if it's a left-handed starting pitcher on the mound, um, that's going to be a, a significant um, change to the lineup right there. See, see, this is why Johnny 90 is the brains of this operation right there. You know, he's, he's bringing up stuff from a couple, two, three weeks ago here. It just, it all ties together. Um, but honestly, I, I really thought that Tony was just going to kind of mix and match. I, I felt as though 
Steve, just it. Steve, just for the people who are listening uh, to this tomorrow, uh, Johnny is in the comments here and brought up the article that you wrote on uh, March 13th, which you can find it on tapsportsnet.com. Just want to let people know where they can uh, find what we're talking about here. It's a March yeah. 13th column titled How the White Sox Can Maximize Luis Robert in 2022 and Beyond. Johnny Nye is the brains of this operation. I've said it before. I'll say it again here. But, um, you know, I, I really thought that Gavin Sheets was going to be – See, see the bulk of his time in the DH spot and maybe 20 to 25% of it actually in right field. And then, you know, the combination of specifically Andrew Vaughn and Adam Engel seeing the bulk of the time out there in right field, though, with a majority of that percentage also going to Andrew Vaughn there personally. Yeah, um, I think Engel would have been my guy. To put out there, you throw Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn and mixture whatever. Lure Garcia is going to get some uh, play out there, obviously. Uh, I, this just, I love this so much now because now we don't have to think about it, right? Like now you have. Oh, even Tony Larusa assures you that you still will have to think about it. Every well, now yeah, and then. I mean, I can't wait for I can't wait for the it's a Sunday afternoon game and Josh Harrison's out in right field, right? Like, and we're sitting going, "What are we doing here?" I saw Sebi um, Zavala taking some reps at first base in like the ninth <laughs> inning today. Nothing's out of the realm of possibilities in hey, White Sox Char- baseball. Charlotte's going to need a first baseman this year. So do you, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of of backup catcher right now, but like haven't seen a lot of Zach Collins lately. Well, well he's in AAA it, now. Did, yeah, yeah, he got it. He got optioned down to down to AAA. Exactly. So. Yeah, I um, actually had that on my notepad today of things I want to maybe get to, but I know we're we're trying to keep this as a quick hit tonight. But maybe yeah. maybe we'll 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 swing back on this right. topic here. Zach uh, Collins. After, oof. oof. Oh boy. Oof. Not great, Bob. Dot gif. Matt, Zach Collins. Uh, truthers mad online today that's what we call a tough scene yeah that's that's Real rough tough. speaking of tough scenes steve this trade <laughs> this trade that you, was you, made had, today, you had you had to go there anthony you had to go i mean there. you oh, brought oh. up you brought up tough okay. scenes okay. so okay. i just okay. want to talk this one out with you boys live on air what was with the you know i i said that you know this team still has the chance to make a a, a move until the trade deadline and your reply was, I, I do not see how this team can make a significant acquisition via trade. And then it wasn't like 12 hours later that Rick Hahn served the ultimate justice in the Sox on tap group chat. Then AJ Pollock was acquired. And here we are on the show live talking about it. Steve, I go to you for your response to uh, how all that went down. Here's my response, Anthony. I think White Sox Nation as a whole should be thanking me because of me making that comment, putting it out there into the universe, me spending the time to craft 1500 articulate words, blasting Rick Hahn into the sun for not addressing right field and other positions, all of this collectively out there in the universe, as our boy buzz would say, it manifested this move white Sox nation should thank me and me only for this move happening that's my response i appreciate you sean i want your introspective here on on the dynamics at play within the socks on tap crew you're a newcomer here um, i'm, I'm, I'm getting sure, a feel for it all I'm, sh- I'm sure you've seen stuff like this happen before what are your thoughts i mean you've been in the in the Twitter DMs for a little over a week, and you, you've kind of seen how this one played out. Um, you know, I just need your your instant reaction to uh, Steve's freezing cold takes. It's a, it's a tough scene. It's a tough scene. <laughs> yeah, hey, but if you want credit for it, if, if this is the route that we got to go, what I, I think I responded today. I like, I go, can you like talk some crap about us not getting a starting pitcher or some or some nonsense so we can add another starter? And- hey, that was included in the fifteen hundred words <laughs> right there. So you know, if that happens in the next couple two three days, again, I'm gonna need everybody to thank me and me only. Hey, we talk about speaking it into existence. I think that's what we did here just a little bit. And now, again, I'm extremely pissed off. I'm just on the show entertaining you guys because I needed more Gavin Sheets home runs. I feel like this diminished the amount of fireworks I'm going to get out of Gavin Sheets this year. <laughs> but overall, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm a big A.J. Pollock fan. I've liked him uh, for a long time. Johnny has tweets out there that he's liked A.J. Pollock since he's been in Arizona. 
I think he's he's a ball player that's going to fit in very well on the south side of Chicago, as I said earlier in the show. It, the words are, A.J. Pollock is a south sider. And I think that that's the kind of player that's going to help drive this organization a little bit further in the playoffs, potentially, because he can take over a game. He's the kind of guy that you want on your team. Um, let's get into the impact that A.J. Pollock himself is going to have on this lineup. Sean, I'm going to start this one off with you. Um, thoughts on just a wonderful acquisition, I think, by the White Sox. You, I said in the beginning, you're getting a Major League Baseball player. You're getting a, a guy that knows how to perform in the postseason. He's been there. <clears throat> He's done it. Um, you're going to get a guy when healthy, he performs. I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't go through these seasons where he sucks. Now, knock on wood, because I know this is the White Sox. And whenever, anytime we get a legitimate acquisition, you know, outside of maybe like Liam Hendricks, I refer offensively like crap hits the fan. Um, but no, this is a. I think I saw a mock lineup today where they got him in the seven hole um, or around that. That's what you know. We keep going back to it, but you lengthen that lineup a little bit. Um, and, and anytime you can lengthen a lineup, you add depth. This is a great move. And I, I, again, playoff experience, playoff experience. And we have a major league baseball player in right field. And I, I, I can't stress that enough because we don't do stuff like this, right? Like we, we don't, we don't make, I'm just, I was legitimately shocked today. Cause obviously none of us really saw it coming. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah. He's going to have an impact on this team, man. And and I'm interested to see the fit, you know, because this is a tight-knit group. This is not a group that's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to come in and be my – you got to be accepted a little bit, right? But you have guys like Tim Anderson. You have guys like Jose Abreu. They're going to welcome him with open arms. He's going to feel welcomed. And I think he is going to be a great fit um, with, the, with this group of guys. And on the baseball side of things, I can't be happier, more pumped. Steve, your thoughts. Pro provides length to this lineup. If you have a lineup where A.J. Pollock is hitting seventh, I think you're going to score a healthy amount of runs. So this just, again, adds another dimension to this team and a guy that I talked about this at the very outset of the broadcast here, handles right-handed pitching well. This was an area where this team has struggled for a couple of years now. He helps to address that need. This move is one that I didn't see coming. Look, you know, Anthony, we were on the phone this afternoon when, when I got the text about the trade break. And I, and I literally said to you, I go, something just happened. And I looked, I said, Sox just got AJ Pollock. And we both were just kind of in shock almost, so to speak, because we weren't expecting that to happen. No. I think if, if, if Kirk Kimball was going to be traded, I was kind of saying for a while, like he's going to get traded. They're going to—that's how they're going to get the backup catcher—is in a salary dump move for for Kimbrel. I didn't think they were going to get an actual competent major league player for him, and here we are. And, and Jim Jim commented again: "Sock saved some money. This is what they try to do. That's the ultimate Rickon play. Like you've got to give some you've got to give some credit where credits due. It works." It was a good move. It improved the team in, in a spot where they did need some help. Um, I, I mean, and I was probably the most confident out of this group, I think, going into the season with what we had. And yet here we are, and, and that's that's shored up a little bit. I even said it yesterday. I hope Craig Kimbrell like, comes back and is like a monster this season. I still hope he does for the Dodgers to an extent. I want the trade to work out for both teams. This was one of those deals where it's like, Pleasure doing business with you, it, at it, least it, for me. Both both sides win here. Both sides. It's a win for the Dodgers. They get a closer. They're going after World Series. We get a right fielder, which we desperately need, a major league baseball right fielder um, that we desperately needed, and hopefully we play each other in the World Series. I mean, was it Jeff Passan has us beating the Dodgers in the World Series, I think. So there we go. And, and the other thing, too, that I've I've done some digging on him, and there was a few different tweets that were out there. I did I did see one that exercised some caution. A.J. Pollock is an incredibly streaky hitter, is one thing that I've seen from some Dodgers fans and people who followed him in Arizona as well, where he'll have like an 0 for 30 stretch and then go like, you know, just on an absolute tear where he cannot be stopped. Um, 
there's going to be a little bit of caution with this that I'm at least going to exercise because I don't want to like jump right into this. I haven't seen AJ Pollock spring. You know, you need to set the tone in spring training. He I can elaborate with- on, I can elaborate on this, Anthony. Um, yes. I'm going there, Steve. I- Give me one second. I'm going to hand this off to you. You got to set the tone in spring training. I don't know exactly where we're at. If there's one person that I do know who probably has already dug into AJ Pollock's hashtag stats, it's our guy, Steve here, spring training overreactor. What are we getting? Well, you're getting a guy that's hitting 188 this spring. And so, you know, we, we've thrown a lot of bouquets and, and exchanged a lot of pleasantries about the move here. But we're talking about a guy that's 34 years old. He's hitting a buck 88 this spring. Is it possible that Father Time has caught up to him? I I think we do need to exercise maybe just a little bit of caution here. So, Steve, I'm 31 years old. Um, I've got three years left before Father Time catches up. I'm, I don't know. I'm gonna you, be a- have you, you've gone past this in, in your experience? You gotta wow. you gotta let the, you gotta let the people know here as the elder statesman wow. of the group. Wow, you're you're calling oh. 34. Oh. That's it. 34. That's it. That's it. And Nelson Cruz has just gone yard again. I mean, Damn. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, most of, well, I mean, listen, if I was on Nelson Cruz's vitamin regimen, I probably would still. <laughs> has be, somebody tested that guy yet? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sure the tests have all come back clean. I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah, um, but the fact of the matter is, and there in listen, Anthony, you know, you'll, you'll understand this as um, you progress through your 30s here. You know, each day. Gets a little tougher. You struggle to get out of bed a little bit more. You have a different part of your body that's aching a little bit. You're not bit. selling me on AJ Pollock right now. I listen, I'm trying to be realistic about this here. I'm trying to to help people understand that look, it seems like all rainbows and unicorns right now, but the fact of the matter is there is a little bit of cause for concern here. We're talking about a guy hitting 188 right now. He's not setting the tone right now. He's got a couple of days left here to right the ship. Otherwise, I think we, we might have to have some real discussions about did Rick Hahn get fleeced here? Sean's just chopping at the bit to jump in. No, I'm just, I just I'm, <laughs> listen, I, I, I understand the, uh, I, I understand the, the caution here, but this is, again, this is why you go out and you make your team as bulletproof as possible. And you go and get you snag an AJ Pollock and Tony when he goes on when he's that streaky hitter right like and he's going 0 for 30 0 for 40 okay sit him down for a couple of days guess what now you can throw Andrew Vaughn in you can throw Gavin Sheets I think in Sean there. just bit hard on spring training overreactor I Fine. no I did I, I I did I did I did but 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 I also we kind of do have to take some caution here right like he is he doesn't he gets hurt um, but no I I think. You, you you get AJ Pollock, and then you have if he if you go through that streakiness, you have guys that can come in and play, and, and until he figures it out or takes a day off, whatever the case is. But yes, I, I bit hard on Steve there. <laughs> and Steve got some good ones today because I did. Oh, see the tweet. did I? And that's where I led you into this, where you talked about you know the White Sox trading for a guy hitting 188. Um, and you got some interesting replies to your, your tweet there, Steve. <laughs> I always um, do. I always do. There's always a few. There's always Somebody a few. actually asked you to take a step back for two seconds and realize what you're saying. That setting was, the tone. He said the tone. And Steve was setting the tone. It was it was an interesting thing. If you if you want to follow uh Steve, uh it's scrolling up and why, across and the why bottom ticker it? here, go follow Steve and just remember that he is always out there. Hashtag setting the tone um, for everyone out there. Uh, Guys, uh, we're going to wrap up here shortly. Um, We've talked a little bit about AJ Pollock. We've talked about Garrett Crochet. Uh, A couple other news bits in the White Sox world that happened today. Uh, Lucas Giolito getting the deal done. Uh, Boys, let's uh, go round table here. I'll start with Steve. Um, Thoughts on Lucas Giolito and some of the comments that he made afterwards um, you know, bringing the media back and talking extensively about, you know, how Rickon worked, uh, you know, diligently to get this done. Uh, there were mentions made that he spoke directly to Jerry Reinsdorf and said that, you know, there's no place that he would rather be than the White Sox. 
Um, and just to even preface this once more, the broadcast crew went out of their way to say there's water under the bridge. So, guys, your thoughts here. Yeah, I think it is uh, pretty significant, the fact that they were able to reach agreement on this. Um, it seemed like there was a little bit of hostility in the air uh, last week when they weren't able to come to agreement. I think particularly when you think about um, Giolito's dad kind of being as outspoken on Twitter.com as he is. Uh, the fact that Lucas talked directly with Jerry Reinsdorf about this situation here and let him know that he does want to be here for the remainder of his career, I think is significant. And anybody that um, has come in contact with me for more than 27 seconds knows that there's, there are a few people I've never met in my life that I have more disdain for than Jerry Reinsdorf um, for the fact that he's been trying to ruin my life for close to four decades now. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is there being direct line of communication there. I find to be very significant because when you have that direct conduit to the owner, that usually leads to things getting done a la Jose Abreu. So and this is going to be an interesting story to kind of follow over the next 12 months or so. Yeah, this is something that as soon as I saw uh, James Fagan have the, the tweet out there that, and I think it's important to note here that Lucas Giolito, he didn't have to, say this or do this, but bringing the media back to him to really get a point across. Um, I really like, I like that. I respect that. Um, and making it known like, yo, like Rick Hahn, um, these guys, these guys worked their ass off to get this done. I sat down with Jerry face to face to Steve's point. Like that's, that's a, that's huge, right? Like that you start having sit downs face to face with Jerry Reinsdorf. You're a made man. You're a made man. A, a, at least that's what history says um no i think this is important this is important one it's done before the season so this isn't going on right it clears up everything that happened last week where we were all going oh here we go white Sox, right lucas giolito's pissed off at the white Sox now we're in and again it's an embarrassment for the organization because of the lack of money or the stubbornness whatever the case is um this is important it's done before the year lucas can focus on pitching now and it's pretty adamant at least if words are a thing that he wants to be here and that's important. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the importance of, you know, the, I think the, the, the importance of Lucas Giolito sitting down with Jerry Reinsdorf is an interesting development in this situation for me. Um, I think as much as it is for you guys, because Sean, you kind of talk about he's a made man and that's, that is what history kind of tells us not only with the Bulls organization, but with the White Sox organization that Jerry Reinsdorf runs and owns. When you start to get to that level, one thing that I have completely thought in, in just this whole entire Lucas Giolito situation is that he has the makeup of the guy that's going to command over $100 million. And that seems to be the threshold that the White Sox have yet to commit to a player that seems like it's this arbitrary moving kind of line for White Sox fans as to whether or not they're happy with a move that gets made or not. I think that this is important to watch and monitor as, as Steve said, over the next 12 months, where do you go with Lucas Giolito? Are they going to unload a massive contract to shore up and extend Lucas Giolito long-term or is he going to go to the free agent market? And are the White Sox going to have the proverbial seat at the table to talk to him to give him that contract? If I'm Lucas Giolito's agent right now, and he's already having conversations with Jerry Reinsdorf, and you already went through this battle with Rick Hahn, yes, you've got the, the, the saving face public displays that you saw today, water under the bridge, calling the media back. Obviously, both sides uh, on this negotiation reached an agreement. They're happy right now. But what happens next time we go do this again? Are we going to have the same debacle? Was the groundwork laid right now um, to facilitate a longer-term deal somewhere in the future? Or is this, let's get this season done. We'll go back to the business side later. That's what I'm concerned about right now. Because you can say everything you want right now and get ready for this season. I'm still not completely sold, Sean, 
that he's a made man. I'm actually more concerned that Jerry Reinsdorf had to get involved in these conversations from my perspective, because it meant, you know, you're with a player that you're doing ARB deals with and the owner is involved in this conversation. So to me, it's what were the, what, what was the reason that Jerry had to get involved here? I'm, I'm interested in that. I, I'm a hundred percent interested in that. But again, I think it's nice to see, and again, Tony, you bring up great points, right? Like, why is Jerry doing this? Why is he doing it? I, I don't know. Like, when none of us will, none of us will really probably ever know why or what was exactly said or anything like that. Um, but you talk, we talk about like, what would Lucas get? Does he test the open market? What was this? What, what do you remember what this supposed offer to Zach Wheeler was? Was it last offseason with like five years, 125? Five, five, five and 125. I think that's where you're looking for Lucas. I think that's is I, that fair value for him. Say he goes out and absolutely shoves. This let me year. say. Let me say this. One thing that I have kind of heard through the grapevine is that Lucas is very interested in the years. He wants. He, I right. yeah. I, he wants the years. I, I don't know. I, I think. I mean, what what would you guys offer? He's. I, what do we have outside? Like he's our ace, right? Like he's our ace. He's our number one. I would say five years, 120 mil. But again, we don't know what that market's going to be either. Yeah, I I personally, I've struggled to think that five years is going to be enough to get um, a deal done. And it's wild though, because he's a it, starting, he's a starting it, pitcher. It, it, right? it, it, it is, but here's like, the one that, here's the one that kills me is that Rick Hahn has seemingly shored up and bought out arbitration at will amongst all of the guys that you've seen throughout this rebuild. Let's look at Eloy Jimenez. Let's look at Yoan Mancata. Let's look at Luis Robert. Rick Hahn has been doing this since Chris Salen before. If the White Sox were in any sort of way working very closely with the Lucas Giolito camp, wouldn't he have been on that list? No, and I'll tell you why, Anthony. Okay, so Steve, go ahead. Lucas Giolito comes from money. None of those other guys did. It's been well documented. Lucas Giolito comes from a family of Hollywood actors. So he does not have that sense of urgency to get a a payday quickly the way a guy like Eloy Jimenez or Luis Robert does or a John Danks or somebody else of that ilk. Okay. Lucas Giolito, he doesn't have to worry about that. So he is of the mindset that I can go out there and I can set my market value and get my price because ultimately I'm okay. I've been okay my entire life. So Johnny just mentioned Boris. I didn't know that Giolito was represented He's, by Boris. Is he? I don't, I don't think he is. Okay. I, I'm not I sure. Don't, I don't know. But if I don't know is, who his agent oh, is. Boy. I'm not going to speak out of term here. But if Lucas Giolito was a Boris client. See, and this is where I, I, I talk. If, if, if I'm Lucas Giolito's agent, regardless of what happened in this situation, that free agency market is where I'm taking him and advising him to go. Because you could see him wind up getting a huge offer from a team like the Dodgers the angels, somebody who's looking for something out on the West coast where Lucas Giolito's from. That's where I just, my, my thought process before all of this talk between Lucas Giolito and Jerry Reinsdorf took place. According, there, according to Spotrack, Lucas Giolito is represented by CAA. Okay. So not Boris Johnny actually in the comments said that was hashtag fake news disregard. Let's hope that Lucas Giolito doesn't get any ideas to, uh, you know, sign. I don't know. What do you? With, what with do you? Boris. But I, I just, I feel like there's some tension here still, and they went out of their way to be overstated about it. That's just my opinion. That's not fact. That's just how I feel about this. The fact that Jerry Reinsdorf got involved in these negotiations is somewhat, and I don't know the regularity of it, guys. I'm not a fly in the yeah. wall in Jerry Reinsdorf's office, but the fact that that had to be stated today just raises my eyebrows a little bit. Steve, what do you think? What, what do you think it means with Jerry getting involved here? You know, it, it's just, it's really hard to say. I mean, I think that it, it might be a scenario of him understanding 
are actually looking at the optics for a change and, and seeing how bad this situation looked from the it's a real bad look. It it was tough scene. Tough it was scene, a, it was that was a hashtag tough scene right there. <laughs> um, so part of me thinks that maybe this was his way of trying to mend some of those fences. Um, but I, I just I think the fact that he was directly involved in this situation to me it just looks as though this is close to a made guy. Um, I, right. I just think if you look at this historically, that's what it's always been because, you know, if, if Jerry had, if Jerry gets involved in a negotiation um, that usually means that something is serious. I mean, Jerry got involved and Jerry was the one that put together the terms on the Liam Hendricks deal. Because remember, Liam Hendricks was sitting out there all winter. And then Jerry was the one that decided, okay, we'll do this fourth year, but we're going to have this buyout included in there where you'll still get your money, but ultimately we'll get you off the roster if you're bad after three years. <laughs> that was his concoction. So Jerry doesn't get involved unless he sees it of significance. Of significant oh, do I see Steve giving Jerry some credit? No, <laughs> just check, no, because just we shouldn't have we shouldn't have to have these conversations anyway, right? Like the, we shouldn't have to be having these conversations. Like, oh, Jerry's involved. Like it shouldn't have to come to that. I think you have two made men on this roster right now. I think after today, hearing what was said, I think you have Lucas Giolito, and I think you have Tim Anderson. I think those will be and Jose Abreu. Well, yeah, so Jose will get another. Here's two years, forty whatever the whatever the deal was that. The, there are one year with an option. Who knows? But yes, Jose Abreu. But I think if you look in the future of this team, I think Tim Anderson, Lucas Giolito, those are your two. You build your entire franchise around, or you keep, or whatever happens. I think those are your two main men. Interesting thoughts, guys. I love it. Um, anything else as we wind this one down? I know we wanted to talk a little bit about Zach Collins. Don't know if we've eh. got just some some quick hit rounds here as we go around. Um, but if you guys have any closing thoughts on stuff that you guys have seen throughout spring training, if you want to talk about AJ Pollock for a second, the floor is yours, guys. Let's close this Friday night episode down of Socks on Tap. Uh, Sean, I'll start with you. We'll bring it back to Steve, and then I'll I'll share my final thoughts. Mine's simple. We're a hell of a lot better today than we were yesterday, even with Grochet hurt. Mine is is more of a ten thousand foot view. This is the last Friday that we will not have baseball until November. Boys, it's almost fucking go time. And I, I can't be more excited. Guys, I expected you both to talk a little bit longer about the White Sox here. Listen, we're, it's we're, easy on, right we're on now. a time crunch. We're on a time crunch. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, you know, continue drinking beers and, and get on with my Friday night as yeah, well. Yeah, we'll get we'll get a text from Tony soon. He'll be playing golden tea. Yeah, there's a golden. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get a three a.m. text. There's a there's a golden tea waiting for me. Happy Friday, boys! It's always nice to talk White Sox baseball with both of you. I uh, just did this last night with Johnny, um, and I can't wait to be doing it almost every night um, as we get into the season. As I said yesterday, guys, it's going to be a really fun year to cover the White Sox, and I'm happy that we've got the crew that we have. So, looking forward to everything this season with you guys. Uh, beyond that. Um, just unexpected stuff today, stuff that we didn't see coming. Uh, I think that uh, the White Sox organization was probably trying to get something done a little bit sooner uh, than today. Obviously, um, it's not when it happens, it's that it happens. Um, so I, I'm, I'm happy with the moves that were made, guys. We're, we are a better ball club right now, at, at least in my mind, in terms of offense. I think this lineup, if I've got one final thought here, I think this lineup is one of the best White Sox lineups I've ever had going into any season that I've watched this team play baseball. Um, just, you know, one through nine, there's not a lot of automatic outs in this thing. In fact, there's close to none when you, when you really look at it and you can go to the bench guys and you don't have automatic outs. That's a dangerous fucking lineup. I am ecstatic. Static. I am excited. I am ready for this season to begin. Steve, we'll be in lot B 
in uh, just a little eleven bit days, over a week. baby. Eleven, 11 days. days. Eleven days. Sean's Sean's like, oh man, I wish I was there. I, Sean, like, drive in, like, call off work, take a sick day, man. I, I, come, I wish. Come be there. A- Anthony, you just got to make sure your babysitter gets there early enough so you can come out there and really enjoy the. Yeah, I'm not going down this path again. I got called uh, soft. Tony's gone soft last time we had this discussion. We'll see what I get there. We'll see what I get there. It'll depend on the night before how many rounds of golden tea I've got to play. Yeah. Uh, before you gotta set the tone. There. It's opening day. You gotta set the tone. Yeah. So hey. guys, it's the last Friday, like Steve said, before we'll have baseball. Crack them, enjoy it. Thanks for everybody who tuned into the show. Uh, be sure you're going on tapsportsnet.com. Be sure you go and subscribe to the YouTube so you can catch all the post-game shows. Come interact with us throughout the season. It's going to be a fun year around here. Guys, crack them. White Sox forever. Go Cheers. Sox. White Sox for life.